0: The scripture text is Ezekiel chapter 36, and I'm reading uh, verses 24 to 28. Ezekiel 36. I will take you from the nations and gather you from all the countries and bring you into your own land. I will sprinkle clean water upon you, and you shall be clean from all your uncleannesses and from all your idols. I will cleanse you. A new heart I will give you, and a new spirit I will put within you, and I will remove from your body the heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and make you follow my statutes and be careful to observe my ordinances. Then you shall live in the land that I give to your ancestors, and you shall be my people, and I will be your God. You shall be my people, and I will be your God. These verses in Ezekiel 36, 24 to 28 are enveloped or surrounded by judgment from the Lord, accusing the people of Israel of profaning God's name and forewarning them that they will remember their evil ways. They will loathe themselves for their sins, and they'll be ashamed. Those are expressed in the verses before 24 and the verses after 28. So 22 to 23 and 31 to 32. So the verses I read are sandwiched in between those harsh judgments. And in the verses in between, we hear a proclamation of God's intimate mercy and grace. So chiastic structures like this often serve to bring emphasis to that which is in the middle of the sandwich. So the peanut butter and jelly, the cheese, the brisket, the lobster meat, whatever you like to put between your bread, uh, that's the best part. That's where the emphasis is. Uh, And so it's in the verses that we just read. Now among these highlighted verses, 24 to 28, verse 26 often grabs the spotlight. It announces that popular gift of a new heart and a new spirit, which God will place within his people. However, I want us to focus for a moment on verses 25 and 28. As part of this oracle of renewal and restoration, God declares that he will cleanse his people. The Lord proclaims, I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you shall be clean from all your uncleannesses and from all your idols, I will cleanse you. We're told that Ezekiel was a priest. In the first chapter and verse three. And the terminology we read here about clean and unclean states clearly evokes the purity regulations of Leviticus 12 to 15. You know, I find my way there somehow. Now, those purity regulations were under the jurisdiction of the priests, like Ezekiel. So when a person became unclean, they were required to wash themselves, to wash their clothes and bathe their body, and bring the appropriate purification offering to the priest. And depending on the type of impurity, the priest would examine the person to determine if they were indeed clean. This is especially true of the skin diseases. And then the priest would sacrifice the offering in order to achieve atonement and cleansing for the person. It's important to recognize that in our passage here in Ezekiel, The uncleanness is not just ceremonial uncleanness, which is not sinful unless one neglects to wash and thereby defiles the place of God's presence, but our passage includes moral uncleanness as indicated by the accusation of their idolatry. Now, what is striking about Ezekiel 36.25 is that God is described as the one doing the cleaning. Now, of course, we always understand that God's the one who actually brings about cleansing in terms of forgiveness and a state of purity and so forth. But the actual ritual of washing and bathing was always done by the person themselves. But in this passage, we're told that God will sprinkle water on the persons and God will cleanse them. So imagine an otherwise healthy adult coming to visit with us having recklessly contaminated themselves with mud and filth and germs, having rolled in manure and spittle and smelling foul from heavy smoke, our first response would likely be, go and clean yourself and then come to share fellowship with me. In contrast, however, Ezekiel gives us an image in which God takes up water and cleans his dirty people. Such an image creates a sharp contrast to all of those fastidious purity regulations which emphasize that God cannot abide impurity or uncleanness. In fact, it's in the book of Ezekiel itself where we find the glory of God abandoning the temple due to the impurity of the people. And yet here, God is near enough as if to take up a washcloth and scrub his children clean." This image is a preview of God defiling himself in the person of Jesus Christ by dining with sinners and touching lepers. Now, in case it seems the image isn't strong enough, there's a subtle shift in priestly terminology in this Ezekiel passage, which reinforces this picture of God's nearness. You probably know that priestly terminology in the Bible is often recognized as precise and meticulous. There are two Hebrew terms, which could be used here in Ezekiel thirty-six twenty-five, And those terms are variously translated to sprinkle or to dash or to toss or something similar, so God sprinkling or dashing or tossing water on his people. Now, one of those terms, the Hebrew term nazah, is specifically used in relation to the purification offering in circumstances that denote cleansing and consecration. In contrast, the other Hebrew term, zarach, is always used in relation to bird offerings and well-being offerings, which denote invocation, And devotion, and especially fellowship with the Lord. So, given our focus on cleansing in Ezekiel 36, 25, we would expect that the priest Ezekiel would use the term nazah, which is associated with indeed cleansing and consecration. But unexpectedly, we find a form of the term zorak instead. And this suggests an added focus on the invocation of God's presence, devotion expressed by God himself and or the cleansed community, and especially intimate fellowship between God and people. This break from the norm in regard to priestly terminology reinforces this image of God as personally and intimately cleansing and restoring his people. I don't know how factual it is, but years ago I heard of an experiment, which I have since found described on the internet. So of course it must be true. Allegedly, an experiment was conducted in 1944, in which two groups of 20 newborn infants were housed in special facilities. One group was assigned caregivers who fed and bathed and changed diapers for the infants, but, They were never allowed to look at or touch the babies beyond what was necessary to meet those physical needs. The environment was kept perfectly sterile. The babies never became sick, but the experiment had to be stopped after four months because half of the babies had died. The second group of babies was cared for in a different facility, and they also had all their physical needs met But in addition, the caregivers provided intimate and intentional acts of affection. They held them, they looked at them, they loved them, they spent time with them. And in the second group, no deaths occurred at all. Our passage provides an image of God graciously providing not just physical cleansing, but doing so with an emphasis on intimacy and fellowship. This is further affirmed by God's gracious words in verse 28. You shall be my people and I will be your God. That phrase in various forms appears especially in connection with God's covenant relationships all the way back to Abraham and his descendants and emphasized again with the children of Israel in Sinai. 27 years ago, when I was just a child, I was flying back to San Francisco from Colorado Springs. The trip had been to secure housing as I had just recently gained employment at Nazarene Bible College and would soon be moving my family from California to Colorado. Up to that point, I had only ever known life as a student with the exception of some ministerial positions that were used to support my educational habit. I was graduating from the 28th grade. Now on the flight back to San Francisco, I was exhausted and I sort of fell into some fear and depression. Alone with my thoughts, I realized my world was about to change dramatically. I was gonna move my family across the country. But more frightening than that, I was about to transition from being behind all those student desks in the classroom to the podium at the front of the classroom. I was gonna become accountable to an administration responsible for my oversight. And despite graduating from the 28th grade, I was afraid. I was afraid I was not capable. I was not worthy of what lie ahead. I looked out the window of the airplane. It was late, it was dark. The sky was dark below us. The sky was dark above us. We were engulfed in the darkness. But across the Western horizon in front of us, there was a brilliant ribbon of blue red sunset. Which stood out in stark contrast to all that surrounding darkness. This ribbon was vermilion in color, a deep blood red is the way it impressed me. And then I was suddenly impressed with the words I love you that much. I shed my blood for you. I will carry you through. I had heard similar words before, almost as cliche in other people's testimonies, but this time it was made personal and intimate as God spoke comfort and affirmation to me. It is my hope that we all hear the words from Ezekiel in a similar manner. God says to his people, you shall be my people and I will be your God. There is something earth shattering and at the same time foundationally assuring in hearing that the creator of all the universe is not just God, but seeks to be my God, your God, personally and intimately.